Today, what's burdened on my heart is some of the things we've learned over the years from counseling and dealing with people in our ministry. And out of a lot of what I've heard, I've um, learned stuff. And often the questions and the, the comments that people make when you're reading the Bible, you start to come across stuff that, that answers questions, that gives you insight into people's comments or their attitudes or the way they're thinking. And so it's been an education for me. We've been in ministry for over 40 years. And out of that 40 years, I have really learned a lot about people. I've probably learned more than the people we counseled. I don't know. One of the things that I learned, which I myself had experienced in the early years, was just this difficulty of being a Christian. And people used to say to me, why is it so hard to be obedient to the Lord? Why is it so hard to be a Christian? In the early years, that bothered me too. And then we come into ministry, and I begin to realize that I need to deal with an attitude that says serving God is difficult because the Bible says something totally opposite. The Bible says in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, listen to it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if I was suffering, let me use that word, from this, oh dear, it's so hard, and yet the Lord says, it's easy, I need to find out what's wrong with me. Obviously, the problem isn't in heaven, it's here. And so I begin to analyze and begin to search the scriptures to find out why so many people found serving the Lord a hard thing to do. And I solved it pretty well for myself in the early years of ministry, and I want to teach you what I learned in order to help you if you're in a place where you're suffering from a heavy burden in serving the Lord. So, First of all, Jesus said, come to me. Sometime I'll be preaching on Psalm 27. In verse 4, David said, there's only one thing that I want, and that's to be in the presence of the Lord. At the end of Luke chapter 10, Jesus and the disciples come to Mary and Martha's house. Mary sits down at the feet of Jesus to learn from him. Martha's busy getting some dinner ready, and she comes to Jesus and says, Why don't you make Mary help me? And Jesus said something very profound that agrees with what David said. He said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things. How that relates to so many of us. She said, Mary has found the 
only thing that really matters. David said, the only thing I want. Jesus said, the only thing that matters is that we'd come and sit at his feet. That's the first phrase of what this is telling. Come to me, he says. And who is he talking to? Anyone who is weary and burdened. And his promise is, I will give you rest. And then there's some conditions here. The first one is to come to him, but then he says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Let me suggest to you that the yoke for me was taking the word of God every day and reading it. I actually set myself up in a reading program where I would read through the Bible, the Old Testament at least twice a year, the New Testament four times a year. And I, I begin to say to myself, this is what the Lord says to learn from him by reading his word. And I begin to put the scripture reading ahead of books and tapes and DVDs. It isn't that they are wrong. Some of them are, of course, but it isn't that I saw them as wrong. I saw them as second generation to the real thing, the word of God. And so instead of taking the shortcut and reading people's books about all different things, I said, I'm going directly to the source. And I continued on that to this very day. And I, and I learned this. I learned from the Old Testament that life was hard in serving the Lord. And the reason was <clears throat> they were serving the Lord because there was a set of rules and regulations. Some of you are familiar with them. That said, do this, do this, do this. And so the people would weary of just doing the rules and regulations. And almost consistently, from year to year, there would be a slacking off in the relationship to God and a moving into things of the world in order to entertain themselves. Paul says later on in the book of Romans that the law was a babysitter. It was, a, it was someone to care for you until the Christ could come. So that's what it was all about. But yes, it was impersonal. Even though there was told on the mount by Moses and the Ten Commandments, put God first in your life, no other gods, and so on. They still would drift away, sometimes led by an evil king, other times they did it on their own. But there is a drifting away. And then Jesus came. Paul says, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. I believe in relation to what I'm teaching right now, the fullness of time meant We've proven long enough that the law, obeying a bunch of rules and regulations, isn't going to make it. I hope you've learned that, he would say to the people. I hope you realize that being legalistic isn't a way to get to me and to my kingdom and my love. And so we need to take our, a yoke upon us and learn from him. And I suggest to people that are new Christians especially 
do what they do in China to get people that want to be in ministry. They can't, they're not allowed Bible schools and stuff there as far as I know. But I'm told that they simply say, I want you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts. I want you to continue to read those 50 times. And when you're finished, come back and see me. That's what the leader would say. Why? Because they wanted them to know Jesus. The Old Testament, everything leads up to Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus, a lot of the Old Testament won't make much sense to you. And then the rest of the New Testament, it's about serving Jesus and about honoring brothers and sisters and loving them. And so if we don't know Jesus, we won't understand that. And so it's important that you understand Jesus. And I recommend again and again to new converts, you spend time reading the Word of God. You spend time in the, in the four Gospels in the book of Acts initially. Get to know Jesus. It says in 1 John 5, <clears throat> whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And it says in verse 3, it says, This is love for God to obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So in John, we could go back to the Gospel of John, but here I just chose to go into 1 John where he's saying some of the same things he says in the Gospel of John, specifically chapters 14 and 15. And he is saying to his people, if you want to prove you love, that you love God, then obey his commandments. And so that sounds as if God is looking to me to be obedient to his word so that he can, I can prove to him that I love him. He says, my commandments are not burdensome, John says of Jesus. And you see, back in Matthew 11, he talks about the yoke that I just spoke about. He says in verse 30, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so that fully agrees with 1 John 5, verse 3. His commandments are not burdensome. So how do we break this down? And I can say to you that his commandments are not a burden if we approach them correctly. Hebrews 8, starting at verse 10. But here the writer of the Hebrews writes something that for years I didn't understand. He says, this is the covenant. And he's quoting Jesus here. He's quoting the Old Testament, pardon me. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Now I, I need to mention the Old Covenant is done and gone. At the end of chapter 8, as a matter of fact, he says it's obsolete. So he says there's a new covenant coming. And with Jesus it came. And so he said the old covenant is finished. 
at the end of that chapter. And he says now in verse 10, I'll put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. What's, what's the writer saying? In the old covenant, there was rules and regulations. In the new covenant, I want to write those things on your heart because the new covenant is better than the old covenant. And we can do away with the laws of the Old Testament and we're going to obey the laws of the New Testament. And Jesus, he took the Old Testament that was essential to our relationship to God and to people and he summarized them in the two commandments. He gave them to the rich young ruler. He gave them to other people. But they were simply, put God first in your life. Love him more than anything else. Make a choice when you get up in the morning or at some time during the day. You say, Lord, today I choose to put you first. You are my God, my only God. I want to love you more than anything else. That's the first commandment. The second commandment is simply, Start to love other people the way you would like to be loved. Start treating them the way you would like to be treated. Prefer others above yourself, Paul says in Romans 12. So we need to recognize God took the Old Testament commandments. He wrapped them up in two commandments. And he said at one place, all the prophets, all the laws of the prophets, everything is wrapped up in those two commandments. And you see, it's from Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 11. Both of those passages say basically the same thing. And that's what the writer of the Hebrews is referring to. In Luke 18, the rich young ruler, he said, what, what do I do to get eternal life? Jesus gave him some of the commandments, be kind to people and all that. He said, I've done that. But you see, what he hadn't done was put God first in his life. His money was first in his life. His money was his first love. And Jesus said, you're going to have to give that up because you don't, I'm paraphrasing, you love the wrong thing. And he couldn't do that. But you see, a chapter later in Luke 19, another rich man comes to Jesus. His name is Zacharias. Zacharias knew he loved his money more than he loved Jesus. At least he wanted to declare that it, and before Jesus could say anything about his money, he said, I'm going to pay back anything I've stolen from people, and I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor. Jesus never said anything about his wealth. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house for dinner tonight. What's the difference? One man loved his money and he couldn't love God because he loved his money so much. And the other man said, yes, I want to show you that I don't love my money more than you. I love you more than I love my money. That can apply to many things in our life. It doesn't have to be money. It can be our work. It can be sports. It can even be a family that, that we put before God. But we need to make a choice, as I said. Make a choice before you start the day, at least if sometime during the day, if not. Make a choice. I put, I put my God first today in my life. As you declare it, the Holy Spirit will do the work. If you declare it, the Holy Spirit says, I heard that, that's what I'll do. The Holy Spirit does what God said way back in Numbers 14, 28. The Lord, when he's listening to Israel, he says, surely as I live, declares the Lord, what I've heard you saying, that's what I'll do to you. 
And if you are saying, Lord, you're number one in my life, I want to love you more than anything else. He says, that's what I'll do for you. I'll send the Holy Spirit to fill you so full of love for me that you, all other things will grow strangely dim, as a song says from the Scriptures, and you will be able to enjoy the fellowship of the Lord. Paul said, "Don't live as free men, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up. Some people might say, oh, that means I can go do anything I want. As long as I put God first and other people second. No, that's not what it says. I want to talk to you about a good marriage. The wife of a marriage, which the Bible compares God's relationship to man and man's relationship to God many times in Scripture. Old and New Testament, it's referred as a marriage. I hope you've had at least one good example in your life, a good marriage. A good wife, we are the bride. He is the bridegroom. A good wife would not spend her days saying to herself, I just wonder how far I can go with that neighbor down the road. Uh, how far can I get with him without losing my marriage? And um, maybe I could flirt a bit with the guy at work. And maybe I can just go on... Um, uh, the internet sometime and find somebody to talk to just for fun and be flirty with them. And so, you see, a good wife would never do that. And so as a Christian, in my relationship to the Father, to Jesus and the Father, in my relationship, I say to myself, I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize my relationship to God the Father. I don't want to do anything that would hinder uh, our communication, our love. I want to be able to sit at his feet without any guilt. And so that's why um, the writer of the Hebrews says, this is what it means in Jeremiah and Ezekiel when God says, I'll write a law in your own heart. I, you see, a good wife doesn't have to have a rule, a set of rules and regulations from her husband that says you can't do this, you can't do that, and you can't do that. He does, she doesn't have that. She just knows what she should do and what she should not do to keep that relationship healthy. And that's the way it is with the Father in heaven. Jesus called our bridegroom. We're the bride. Certainly not a physical thing. It's a spiritual, but he's trying to help us understand how easy it is to walk with the Lord and to be a Christian. How easy it is because we've got a right attitude. And a right attitude means I love him. He's number one in my life. And as a result of that, we say to ourselves, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that love. I've actually told the enemy, Satan, I have worked hard to make sure my relationship is right with God. I'm not going to do what you're tempting me to do. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to read that. I'm not going to talk the way I would, my old flesh would like to to somebody that's just wronged me. I'm not going to ball somebody out that, that I can win back with a bit of love and a bit of compassion. And you see, in this relationship that we have developed before God the Father, and as we start to love him so much that well, we don't need the rules and regulations, we just, we just want to make sure that we're in tune with him and that we're pleasing to him. 
And then we can say, yes, his yoke is easy. Yes, the burden is not heavy. We have this relationship. And I just love walking with him, sitting at his feet, reading his word, reading about Jesus, reading about the Father. I just love it because written on my heart, written on my mind, are the very things that I need that stop me from doing anything that would grieve him, that would hurt him. It stops me from, from responding to people the wrong way because I say to myself, I know that if I respond the wrong way, then I've broken a relationship and I'm going to have to go by, I have to repent of it. I have to confess to the brothers and sisters that I blew it, humble myself. And so it, it, it helps to hinder the fact that I have to repent. It is possible that I need to, but I need to recognize there's a price that I need to pay. Confessing to others is the biggest. It humbles me. And so it's important that we recognize we don't take advantage and just go out and do whatever we want to do. A good wife does not take advantage of a good relationship and think, well, I can get away with some. They don't have a law written on their hearts. They don't. I remember a story. A woman had a very abusive husband. He used to give her a list of everything that had to be done that day. And he said, you better have that done by the time I get home, plus my dinner. So every day she under this burden, I have to get the, I have to get keep that relationship. One day he died of a heart attack. She vowed she'd never again marry because of the bad experience. But lo and behold, a couple of years later, tall, dark, and handsome comes riding in this white horse. She falls. She gets married, and he's a wonderful husband. He loves her. And she starts to look after house and care for him. And he comes home at night and they have good fellowship. One day she's cleaning. She pulled out the couch and there was a paper in there. She picked it up and she started to read it and this fear seized her. It was a list from her former husband that had got back in there. Suddenly she realized as she read that list, I'm still doing that stuff. I'm vacuuming, I'm washing the laundry, I'm cooking the meat. But it's not a burden anymore. Why wasn't it a burden? Because she loved and was being loved. And as we love God and he loves us, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Paul in his prayer for the church, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, listen to verse He's praying, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, listen, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that prayer. Thank you for the fact 
that I can live a Christian life without it being a burden, without it being a stretch. It's a relationship that God wants to establish. That's why he died on the cross so our sins could be wiped away and we could have fellowship with him like he had with Adam and Eve in the garden. The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. I finish with Luke 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. When we want to serve the Lord our way, it is hard and complicated. Yield it, it becomes easier to say, Lord, I give myself totally to you. I give up what I wanted. I serve you. I'm a wife. You're my husband. I will do what you want. I leave my past. I leave those things that I used to love. I'm going to let you put in my heart new things to love, new things to appreciate, because I'm part of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.